Shea butter and popcorn. <laughs> okay, let's start the show. Preparati per la stagione 4. Preparate para la temporada 4. Sit back, relax, and listen. Friday's gonna have you glistening. Get ready for a real good vibe. Shea butter and popcorn. Now live. Welcome to Shea butter and popcorn with Taj and Chels, season four, episode eleven. Shea butter and popcorn is the podcast where your neighborly film fanatics review our favorite films and shows. My name is Chelsea, aka Chels, singer, actor, blogger, podcaster, and all-around movie lover. My name is Tajiana, also known as Taj, actor, filmmaker, lover of Black stories, Black narratives, Black everything. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back to the show. Okay, sorry. Welcome, welcome, Chelsea's welcome, the singer, welcome. not me. <laughs> no, so cute. I was doing spirit fingers, you guys. I know. You guys yeah, should watch. I just visualize my spirit finger. <laughs> Bring it off. Spirit fingers. This is not spirit fingers. This is spirit fingers. Yeah, like outwardly, outwardly, right? <laughs> Can't see us, you guys. We finally made it to slasher movies. We did it, Joe. Yes, we did it. Yes, <laughs> talk about slasher movies on the podcast. Yes, Joe, we are here, ready for the horror. The horror, so ready. Yes, this week is about the gory side of cinema. Horror movies can be massively underwhelming and let down when they're not done correctly. We hate it. Don't you hate it? I hate that. So dumb. But all of my picks this week do not have uneven scares, which is really cool. And you're able to have a deeper underlying narrative in each story that the audience can clearly see. So this will be very exciting. First up is Unfriended, 2014, directed by Leo Gabridaze. This is available on Netflix. 62% on Rotten Tomatoes, 77% of Google users enjoyed it with a $64.1 million box office sweep against a relatively low budget of only a million dollars. So this film, you know, it explores the horrors of bullying, the long-term effects of bullying can leave you with an inferiority complex and doubting people's intentions. So one night while teenagers Blair, Mitch, Jess, Adam, Ken, and Val take part in an online group chat session, they're suddenly joined by a user only known as Billy227. Hmm. Thinking it's just a technical glitch, the friends carry on their conversation until Blair begins receiving messages from someone claiming to be Laura Barnes. Laura Barnes is a classmate who killed herself exactly one year prior. So as Blair tries to expose Billy's identity, her friends are forced to confront their darkest secrets and lies. So this movie, it was, it was really, you think it's going to be cliche, you know what's going to happen, but you really don't. Um, sometimes it does have certain cheap thrills and an array of those, but I do like the way that they tackled this really heavy subject and dark subject matter. Um, of course, it's uh, dramatized. It's a horror film, you know, um, this girl like coming back and antagonizing the people that bullied her, but uh it's really sad that, you know, she felt that there was no way out. And the fact that Laura Barnes uh, 
did commit suicide because of bullying. So it's a good film. Check that out. Next up is Evil Eye 2020, directed by Rajiv Dasani and Ilan Dasani, available on Amazon Prime. So this film received 48% on Rotten Tomatoes, although 72% of Google users enjoyed it. So I'm a rat with the Google users this time because I really enjoyed Evil Eye. I don't understand. I just don't get it. Um, it was a Blumhouse production that premiered back when they made all those Halloween th- uh, back when they made all those Halloween themed films last October. So the synopsis is: a seemingly perfect romance turns into a nightmare when a woman, Usha, played by Sarita Chaudhuri, becomes convinced that her daughter, Pallavi, played by Sunita Mani, uh, has a new boyfriend, Sandeep, played by Omar Maskai who has a dark connection to her own past. The mother, she's abused in a gruesome way and the horrors of an abusive relationship is like glaringly clear and it's very visceral for this woman. And you start to question, is she being overprotective? Or is she being, you know, uh, just concerned mother as she should be because she's onto something creepier and with a darker intent, you know? So this has a lot of good thrills, um, and it's surprisingly just as gory as Unfriended. So, you know, very interesting. Last up this week is Antebellum 2020, directed by Gerard Bush and Christopher Renz, available on Hulu. Oh, man, I just saw this one. This is so good. It received <laughs> 28 on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. 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 Okay. Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. Jeez. 73% of Google users enjoyed this film. Although it made ratio. Seriously, though, the ratio doesn't make any sense. Because to like me, I'm actually genuinely confused. Doesn't make sense. I hate it. But it made $6.9 at the box office. So I don't think that's too shabby for a home premiere. So... Very good, because in the times of the pandemic, you know, got to do what you got to do. The synopsis is, successful author Veronica Henley is finishing a book tour before she returns home to her husband and daughter. But a shocking turn of events is about to upend Veronica's existence, plunging her into a horrifying reality that forces her to confront her past, present, and future before it's too late. Veronica Henley, played by the singer, songwriter, actor extraordinaire, Janelle Monet, Love her. She shines in this Love. Movie. So good. Oh my gosh. Just seeing like her trajectory and not just, of course, being an amazing singer, songwriter, you know, stream, dirty computer, but like films like Moonlight and Hidden Figures and Harriet to this. Just amazing work. Amazing work. Um, and you know, side note, it's all about the craft and about doing great work because she's someone who has never won a Grammy. She's amazing. So just, you know what I mean? It's just like, what do you value? You know, quality over quantity for real. Gabri Sidibe is in this from Precious and Empire. Jenna Malone from the Hunger Games and movies like Stepmom and Marque Richardson, who plays her husband. You may know him as Reggie from Dear White People the movie and then the show on Netflix. So the horrors of this movie, what's so horrible is that it could be a potential reality. And that's what makes it so spellbounding that this could happen or maybe it already has happened. We don't know about it. 
And I really think that this film got such a low rating because people do not want to admit to the messed up part of society and people don't want to come to terms with it. You know, there, I feel like there's a general consensus to sweep certain things under the rug, especially when it happened so long ago, like slavery, for example. But um, I really like the way they expertly told this tale without any use of like satire and things like that. And Jane on chain, that's a, that's a great film, but it did have those comic moments and different things of satire to kind of like make it more uh, easier to swallow, I guess, even though it was a very gory, you know, Quentin Tarantino, he always makes gory films, but I like how antebellum didn't let up, you know, it's like, well, this is no laughing matter. And uh, I thought it was a great, great film. So please check that out. Those are my films for this week. Taj, you let them know what yours are. <laughs> yes. I I just love Janelle Monae. I got the chance to, like, meet her <laughs> randomly at a diner. I remember um, and, <laughs> Yo, that was wild. And she just, like, has a photo of me, Anthony, and Matanya in her phone. Like, probably currently, if she still has that same phone. It just, like, she's just like, let me take a picture. You guys, you're so cute. And we're like, okay, cheese. Um, and it was just, just great. Um, but yeah, those are some, those are some good ones. I'm like, definitely, um, as y'all know, not as invested in the horror side, unless of course you bring that representation. If we're going to talk about horror, we're going to talk about John Hill. We're going to talk about get out in the, the horror, you know, thriller genre, you know, sometimes, you know, there's lots of genre bending when it comes to each genre, but I'll start off with monster house. A cute, fun, animated um, horror fantasy that we, I believe we all loved Monster House growing up. Um, I was actually terrified. Terrified? Um, oh my gosh. I love, I watch it every October next to Paranorman. Paranorman's my film. Like, I love I just don't understand why we did this to ourselves. But this film, um, I believe that they just did an incredible job, uh, produces such a, such a dynamic film that I feel like even at that age, you know, however old we were in 2006, gosh, I, it reeled me in and it's on Netflix. Um, Monster House um, is an hour and a half. It has a 75% on Rotten Tomatoes, 88% on Google. Um, but um, it stars uh, Mitchell Musso, love him, Spencer Locke and Sam Lerner. Um, and Nick Cannon is also in this joint as well. Um, and so it explores, um, you know, the lives of three youth, um, you know, no adults believe these kids because they over here talking about there is a living creature that is in the house or is the house itself. And so with Halloween approaching, the trio must find a way to destroy the structure before innocent trick-or-treaters meet their ends. So it's, it's such a well-done animated film in the horror space for for specifically a younger audience. Um, I believe that the graphics and the animation is just so, so entrancing. And, and the concept of a house being the villain um, is just such a, my gosh, like chef's kiss. I, I definitely believe that this film was revolutionary in terms of how it shaped horror um, and, and having, you know, that supernatural element, but also comedy um infused in there so that it could be you know um appeal to you know that younger audience um and just had such good characters really strong characters um 
I'm super grateful they put it back up on Netflix. Um, or not put it back on Netflix, but I'm I'm glad that it's on there so that everybody can watch it who, you know, is not our age. But um, yeah, I think they did a beautiful job. Um, I highly, highly recommend going to go watch this because I believe it's one of my um, childhood favorites. And I just, they, you know, they won and got nominated for, you know, a good amount of awards. So um, definitely a, a classic staple. Um, next up, oh my gosh, my sister watched me, uh, or my sister forced me to watch this film during quarantine, um, a few months back and I'm so triggered. Oh my gosh. I finally got around to watching the boy. (laughs) You guys, you guys, this film came out in 2016. It's also about an hour and a half. This movie felt like it was three hours. My God. I'm not, I don't do well with horror, but, um, (laughs) a young American named Greta takes a job as a nanny for an eight-year-old boy in a remote English village. To her surprise, Greta learns that the child of her new employers is a life-sized doll. They care for the doll as if it was a human, which helps the couple to cope with the death of their own son 20 years earlier. When Greta violates a list of strict rules, a series of disturbing and inexplicable events bring her worst fears to life, leading her to believe that the doll is alive. There's lots of Easter eggs in there, but you guys have to watch the film. They actually, the second one came out this past year and have yet to watch it because I'm still triggered by the first one. Oh my, my gosh. gosh. The boy, I, it was, okay, yeah. I I think it was more disturbing than like actually scary because like not much actually happened. Scary, it could be. But I can't do suspense. I can't do pop outs. I can't do. (laughs) I can't. I just can't. I'm too much of a wimp. And the fact of like, you know, I also like nanny from time to time to do extra to make extra money. It just was too real. And like having this this couple, and once you get into the backstory of the film, once you guys get to like the middle, toward um, going in towards the end, um, hearing it, the backstory and watching, oh my gosh, so many disturbing scenes. I don't want to get give it away, but the backstory, you guys, um, it's a very. I, I think it was really well done. Like in story wise, I think it's a really cool um, horror film. They um, had a ten million dollar budget and did sixty four point two million at the box office. Um, it got a 29% on Rotten Tomatoes. I can see why people wouldn't enjoy it. I guess if you're looking more for a, a it's a horror thriller. So I guess if you're looking for more of a horror, then maybe more, uh, I, I feel like it didn't get really scary until the end of the film. Um, because there was so, I feel like they spent a lot of time with exposition and contextual things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but I do think that it was still scary for me personally, because I'm a wimp. But I, you know, I definitely think that they crafted a really, really well done um, story in terms of uh, just making sure that, you know, everything connects and, and bringing us from point A to point B. Um, the boy, Brahms, the boy too, I see is actually on Hulu. Um, so I will, I will be watching that. Um, and I, I am so concerned, but <laughs> um, this is um, definitely going to be very very interesting is it is it the same director it's actually not the same director oh it is it is it is same director um and they it says the boy two 
had a $2 million budget, a $10 million budget, excuse me. Mm. Wow. Same budget. $20.3 million. I like the Dang. Way. He said hour and a half again, both movies, keeping it consistent. Why not? Um, I do yeah, like how like the picks can be like more so the unsettling sense of horrors and like not being sure versus like. Yeah, it's not always gore and blood and like popping up and fighting. And, you know, sometimes it's just the absence of things that when so many questions pop up and when things are so uncertain and unknown that in itself is scary and I think that yeah. and sometimes that like they explored that well like you know a Freddy versus Jason movie or you know right. uh, Halloween or Nightmare on Elm Street you know don't get me wrong those are classics I watch them every Halloween but still. <laughs> we love them yes, he doesn't we love the classics Johnny Depp with them jean shorts on the little cut off jersey he wears <laughs> oh my gosh please yes please but I love, I love it. I mean, I, my gosh, I definitely think that, you know, they did a really good job in terms of um, the story and things of that sort. I think it takes a lot to, you know, bring to, even if that's not your, you know, particular genre of, you know, I know that there, there, there's more to the conversation in terms of, you know, um, sticking to a genre as a, as an artist and things of that sort. Um, but um yeah I think that it's really awesome um what they did and my gosh I can't do it I mean even like the people who cross over and no, I don't want to say cross over like even Steven Spielberg um he you know was one of the uh producers on Monster House and you know I'm a big fan of of Bloom House and that has that specific market for for horror even if that's not like all you do I think it takes an incredible amount of like precision in order to scare someone and make get into people's minds i think they did a really good job with this one um i really enjoyed the i'm gonna watch the second one at universal studios too that was cool. right even though that's, that's great one guy's body and stuff and Mm-mm. no yeah absolutely not oh God. i was terrified but then i loved it at the end because when i went for the first time universal studios my sister got tickets and we went with her friend and stuff who was coming to visit us from Texas. And we did not know that. Well, I didn't know they knew because at, we were like, we're going at night. And I'm like, why are we going at night? We have all day. You know, we went at night, whatever. We were at the beach and we went at night. And at night it was like, burr, 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 with the sirens at six. No. Those Halloween Horror Nights. I had no idea. Oh my God. The hay rides. I was terrified. Was awesome. No, I've been, I've been to a few of the not at Universal Studios, but out here at home, like Great America, like horror. My sister loves. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with my little sister, but she puts me onto a lot of these scary movies, and she loves the horror. I, maybe it's because her birthday's in October. She's like a few days before that, Halloween, you know. But, but fun, like Texas Chainsaw with Trey songs and <laughs> that was bad. So it's fun to watch. My so sister awful. is obsessed with Trey songs and literally only watched. She watched the movie for him. I mean, like that was part of that's part of the marketing, right? But I just I can't do it. But no, I've been to some of those um, Halloween themed amusement park nights, and it's definitely messed me up. I'm definitely the person who's clenching your arm because I just can't. And yeah, I I have to I have to do better. But yeah. no. Um, but yeah, this, this last one she showed me is also a very much, they might as well have called it a, a psychological thriller. 
um, because this one really got into my brain in terms of the horrific nature of it. I guess it does fall more on the thriller side, but um, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark is definitely a a very, very, it it kind of reminds me of like an anthology, um, but it's not exactly, it's not bad, but I love how they blended everything together. Um, It has a a 77% on Rotten Tomatoes, so a little bit better than The Boy, um, and 83% of Google users uh, liked it. Um, It's on Hulu, and it's an hour and 47, um, so... Um, the shadow of the Bellows family has loomed large in the small town of Mill Valley for generations. It's in a mansion that young Sarah Bellows turns her tortured life and horrible secrets into a series of scary stories. These terrifying tales soon have a way of becoming all too real for a group of unsuspecting teens who stumble upon Sarah's spooky home. Um, this one, we're going to talk about, you know, the... Uh, the story that I definitely, definitely loved the, just the plot and the backstory and how things connected and how to make us, to make a film that is exploring scary things, but like multiple different plots within itself, because you're telling scary stories and watching different things roll out. And I don't want to give away um, the, the film, but, um, it definitely was a journey. They took us on a journey in terms of the like watching the horror from one thing and the suspense there and then took us into a whole nother, you know, horrific story. And then in the background connected a whole like backstory and plot surrounding all of that. Um, I think it was a lot thrown at you. And I think they did a beautiful job in terms of like um, a dynamic story. Um, and, you know, I mean... <laughs> literally me saying dynamic every time I describe a film but I do believe that they did a good job with that and I hope I don't I think they're going to come out with a two because the end is kind of a cliffhanger no happy endings this is horror movies no I need them to not end the movie how they did I need the second Uh, one so that the I don't want to give it away but that's really sad not to pass your name, really but sad. seriously, shame on everyone at the end of 2019. It was like, 2020 going to be a movie. Yeah, a horror movie. Like, what the heck? <laughs> it's going to be a movie. It's going to be great. Yeah, usually when people say that, it's in a positive connotation, but we're definitely not uh, in that right now. <laughs> so if if our lives was any movie, yeah. it's definitely scary st- uh, stories to tell in the dark because Hello? it's just thing after thing after thing. and 2020 saga. <laughs> like... <laughs> Because some of this mess has rolled over into 2021. I'm just like... Yeah, time knows no bounds. It just, it keeps going until it doesn't. So we're here. I'm very, very, I'm very much a, you know, hands covering the eyes type of person when it comes to these films. And man, I might as well do that with life because what the heck is going on? Um, (laughs) But I do believe that you guys should watch this. Um, I definitely enjoyed it, um, definitely from a story standpoint. So this one's also on Hulu. Um, and yeah, those are my picks. Awesome. Thank you all so much for listening. Please tune in next week. We're going to be talking about good versus evil. And those are so great. It's going to be really interesting. Our special called Blueberries and Broccoli. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Y'all, we got the fruits, the vegetables, the happy. So different, but they're both healthy for you. I don't know. 
let's explore that. You can't have one without the other. That's in life. Yeah. You have to have the bad to appreciate the good and vice versa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on now. You got to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to, got to, got to. Where's <laughs> broccoli? You got to. Not the, not the funk. <laughs> my God, she's about to turn to James Brown. Right? Oh my goodness. Feel free to follow us on social media to stay updated on this podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Shea Butter Pop, on Instagram at Shea Butter Pop Porn, or follow us individually. Follow me at Chelsea J Music on Twitter or Instagram. And follow me at Tajiana Okechuku on Instagram and at Tajiana Tweets on Twitter. All one word. Yes. All together. Type it in. Message us. Let us know what you thought. Do you want to hear that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we listen, y'all. We listen to our listeners. <laughs> we listen want. to our listeners. listeners. Tell us what you want. What you really, really want. We are Come on. You. Help us help you. Yes. Okay? We are, come on, short order podcast. <laughs> we're here for you come on we serve you we are waiting okay I'll stop but yes <laughs> see you all next week bye see you guys <laughs>